episode 105 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. As of Sunday, May 21st, 2023, there is some massive news in <laughs> Leafland. Seismic events. Yeah. Have happened in Leafs land. Kyle Dubas is out as general manager. Brendan Shanahan did not renew his contract. Who knows what's going to happen next? It looks like Sheldon Keefe's days are numbered. The core four, it seems like their days together are also numbered. Who the hell is going to be the, the next Leafs GM? We're going to talk about that on this podcast. There's a lot to go over here. I mean, Arguably the most dramatic week in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise just went down. And we are going to give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that happened. We're going to go over the Dubas and Shanahan situation. We're going to talk about Dubas's tenure as GM. And then as I mentioned, we will get into who we believe could be the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But before we get into all that, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing today, man? How's it going, Anthony Bruno? How am I doing? Well, it took us 105 episodes, but we finally have a firing, a coach, a GM. We have a GM. Maybe a coach is coming. Uh, it stinks. Whatever side of the coin you're on, whether you thought uh, it was a good decision or a bad decision, it just sucks to be here. We hope we all hope we were playing. Or we all we all wish we were playing in the Eastern Conference Final and not dealing with turmoil. We'll call it turmoil right now so a little anxious <laughs> to get specific to the question of how i'm doing but one thing's for sure it's going to be the uh the craziest summer in a long time for the toronto maple Leafs because there are a lot of questions to answer and a lot of work to be done let's get right into this yeah let's do it the press conference that brendan shanahan had was one of the most unbelievable things i've ever seen in my life mm. I was watching it live, and I could not believe the detail that he was going into, breaking yeah. down the exact steps in the process, going back to last summer, and how him and Dubas were essentially trying to negotiate a new contract. Like I could not believe the detail that was being displayed to the public. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that, especially with the Leafs. Honestly, even really in North American sports, like yeah, it was it was crazy to see. And as candid as Dubis was in his press conference days before that, it's like Shanahan took it to another level. So let's just break this down quickly, and then we'll we'll go into our thoughts and give you our opinions on the whole situation. Did the Leafs screw up? Did Dubis overplay his hand? But anyway, so going back to last season or going back to training camp, I should say Shanahan came to Dubas and said, listen, like, we're not going to renew your contract right now. We're going to, we're going to have you play out the final year of your deal. And then we're going to evaluate you at the end of the contract and figure it out from there. But it is my hope that this is all going to work out and you'll be back as Leafs GM. And Dubas even talked about this Lepore in his, in his press yeah. conference before the start of the season. He said, listen, like, I'm going to get ahead of this. Like I haven't, my contract hasn't been renewed, but I'm comfortable with this. I'm going to be judged at the end. And then hopefully I'll be back. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so the Leafs end up beating Tampa in the first round. Or sorry, I sh before I jump that far ahead, after the trade deadline, Shanahan mm. approached Dubas and said, listen, Kyle, I've seen enough. I want to work something out, and I want you to be back as GM of the Maple Leafs. And Dubas seemed on board with that. Everything was fine. Fast forward to the playoffs. The Leafs finally win a playoff series for, their, for the first time in 19 years. Then they get to the second round. And they get knocked out. But at that point, Shanahan was still comfortable moving forward, negotiating a contract with Dubis. He's like, listen, I want to get ahead of this. Like, even though we're in the middle of the playoffs now, like I want to, I want to work on something. And Dubis again seemed to be on board. Then the Leafs get knocked out. <laughs> and Shanahan goes to Dubis and says, Listen, like, I'm not gonna speak on locker cleanout day. And I would suggest that you don't speak either until we work out a contract. But Dubas said, actually, I want to speak on locker cleanout day because I want to be there with the players and I want to I discuss some things as well. And Shanahan respected that. And then apparently that's where everything changed because yeah. Dubas has his press conference and 
He was very candid. As I mentioned, he said that this job has taken a huge toll on his family and he wasn't sure if he wanted to continue doing this job and being the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And according to Shanahan, that's when everything shifted. That seed of doubt was put into Shanahan. And then from there, it was a rocky relationship. But even after that, they were still working out a deal. Like everything was fine. So I'll add in a couple things here. And Lepore, we'll... We'll get to, I, I want to hear your thoughts. I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> sure, everybody Elliot is. Elliot <laughs> Friedman on Hockey Night in Canada last night reported that as on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, Kyle Dubas held a meeting with coaches and executives with all the important people in the Leafs organization, held a meeting with everybody trying to figure out how they could move forward as a team and what they need to do better next season. So that was literally like, Two days before he was fired, which is crazy. Okay, mm-hmm. so anyway, they they were communicating Shanahan and Dubis, and then it got to the point where Dubis essentially wanted to rework the contract. So he told Shanahan, listen, like, I want to be back as GM, but here's my new demands. And Elliot Friedman also reported on Hockey Night in Canada that a, that a part of those demands were that He wanted a little bit more autonomy. He wanted to streamline the decision-making process with the Leafs, where before it was going from Dubas to Shanahan to the board with Rodgers and Bell, and then back down when they had to make like big decisions, whether it's trade or trades or free agent signings. Anyway, everything shifted in Shanahan's mind. So even though Dubas at the 11th hour said, I want to be back. Here's my new contract demands. Who knows how much more money he asked for. Shanahan slept on it. He woke up Friday morning and realized, listen, I do not want to move forward with this guy as my GM. I want to, I want to change this. This is not going to work. And on Friday, he let go Kyle Dubas, fired him, and now here we are. So Lapore, like, hmm. what the hell happened, man? What are your thoughts yeah. on how this all went down? It's it's fascinating as all hell. I was saying to someone the other day, and I think we can all admit this when we encounter these types of situations and we all make judgment. It's very difficult. And I say, we always have to be careful because there's always going to be stuff. We don't know. I'm sure if Kyle Dubas went on stage today and told his story, it wouldn't exactly be how Brendan Shanahan uh, said it went. And that's not to say Dubas is right. And Shanahan is wrong, but hearing the other perspective is always very important. And what makes this one even tougher is that, Typically, I know how I handle it anyway, when there's a conflict or an issue between two different sides, whether it's people or, you know, companies, whatever, I give the benefit of the doubt to the person who, in my experience, has shown greater intelligence and a more calculated process. Why this is so hard is because Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas are both very smart, very calculated people. So there's a lot of confusion in my mind. Like I'm playing ping pong a little bit, going back and forth, trying to wrap my head around it. How I see it is this way. And this could be a Leafs fanboy talking. I love this team. Okay. I've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in my life at the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a lot of people have. Okay. So when it comes to a coach, a player, any staff member, a general manager, or a president, if they are asked the question, do you want to be a part of the Toronto Maple Leafs? It has to be 100% slam dunk yes, without a breath. And people can call it ego. I'm going to say it. We are the palace of the NHL. We are the biggest. We have the most fans. We make the most money. We have the most assets. Our players get the biggest endorsements. These are objective things. Much people want to hate it on the Leafs or not. These are facts, okay? So I think there's a little bit, and you could use entitlement as a good thing or a bad thing with this, but I kind of have that entitlement saying, no, 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 anyone involved in my organization is 100% in, 100% because there's benefits. And again, if we're being honest, and I think every fan base would would admit this, there would be no greater reward than winning in Toronto compared to other cities. So I would like to think and hope that Shanahan feels this way. And I think based on what we know about the type of player he was, the type of person he is, I think it's fair to assume he would feel that way. 
So when Kyle Dubas gets up there and brings up the whole family thing, and I have a wife, I have a child, so I'm sensitive to what he's saying, okay? He kind of made me think when he was saying it, like, man, if I was general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, how much of my wife would I see? How much of my daughter would I see? And that sucks. So I'm totally sensitive, and he's entitled to feel that way. But to express it to the public, and it came out that they had had those discussions previously about family and the toll. But, I mean, verbiage is important. So who knows how much Dubas expressed? I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, it's hard on the family. If Dubas just expressed, yeah, you know, it's hard on my family, Brendan would be like, yeah, me too, whatever. But he went into detail about it. Yeah, Kyle went deep into it. And to say to make it almost seem as if it's his decision to be back and he wasn't sure, that's where it teetered for Shani. At least I think anyway, because it would teeter for me. If I'm the president, I want my GM to be 100% committed. Because what it's saying too is, if you take the job, am I confident that you're not going to kind of change your mind in three months and be like, oh, this is fucking up my family. And again, there's nothing wrong with having that opinion. But if you're the boss, you can't have that. You can't have that. You need the person who's the workaholic psychopath that all they care about is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And maybe that's a little twisted, but that's the reality. This is a competitive environment. Okay. So on to the next phase. That little bit of doubt is put in Shanahan's head. And then he comes back with a rebuttal in the contract. So wait a second. Wait a second. You're not sure about this, but you're going to play chicken with the Toronto Maple Leafs? To see who blinks first. I am sorry. I am sorry. I do. I said to Bruno before we started recording. It seems like everyone on social media is either like team Shanahan or team Dubas on this one. But it's tough to argue against the decisions Shanahan made based on his responsibilities to this organization. He cannot move forward with the GM who's not pot committed. He can't. It is too important. It is too important for the organization. And I'll say it again. We're different. We're different. And by that, I mean, you could spin it as a bad thing where with everything that comes with being a president or general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the commitment level from, from a mental side has to be a hundred out of a hundred, not 99. Yeah. To survive in this market and to excel in this market, if you are not fully committed, you're drawing dead. Yeah. And honestly, and this is where I'll say it, and this might ruffle some feathers, People were saying about, like, you know, treatment of his family, okay? And, you know, th- I guess things that are said or, you know, obviously at him, you're the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. When I hear that about an athlete or someone else, oh, like my family, how my family was treated, it's a bunch of idiots on the internet. Who cares? That's part of it. If you're too, If you're sensitive to that and you can't take that, you're in the wrong position. And that's on me saying these people deserve to do that or they're entitled to do that. No, it's bullshit. It's horrible. And no one family should be treated any, any way, but regardless, whatever our opinion is on the matter, it happens. So if I take a job in management with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I gotta assume people are going to be throwing shots at my wife on Twitter. And my reaction would be who gives a shit. The person's hiding behind a keyboard. So it's loaded, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure we're going to have kind of circle discussions as the summers as the summer goes on. And as more gets piled onto this by in the way of what we find out and the progression of the Leafs going forward, there's going to be a lot to talk about and a lot to debate about. It's time for a quick break because the Stanley Cup playoffs are here and so are your friends at Manscaped. They're making sure you're at your best when it matters most. Use the Lawnmower 4.0 to chop through your bush just like the best players in the world chop through defenders. You can have the smoothest balls in the league by going to manscaped.com and using our exclusive promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore Manscaped never misses with their amazing products. They don't. As everyone knows, Anthony Bruno and I cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Maple Leafs suck. So thank goodness we have our favorite products from Manscaped to cheer us up during times like this. As soon as this video is over, head over to manscaped.com. There's a whole whack of products. Throw some in your cart. Use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Gentlemen, 
you got to look your best. You got to feel your best and you got to perform your best. And the way that you do that is with these amazing products from Manscaped, the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker 2.0, the Boxers. I mean, go down the list. They have so many amazing products and I promise you will not be disappointed because they are top notch across the board. So get 20% off and free shipping using our exclusive promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. As much as I like Kyle Dubas and as much as I wanted him to return as GM and as much as I believe that even at this very moment that he's probably the most qualified person to do the job based on everything that he's built since the second he walked into this organization and was appointed general manager in 2018 as as much as i believe he is the guy i agree that i, I how could you blame brendan shanahan for doing what he did like i don't think shanahan is a villain in this either lapore i think you laid it out perfectly and i think it's pr- p- pretty cut and dry because the way that i looked at it was that as soon as that seed of doubt went into shanahan's head everything changed and if you are not able to see that i don't know what to tell you because Lapore, you laid it out, man. If you were going to be the GM and run this organization, all right, this is not the Florida Panthers or the St. Louis Blues or go down the list. This is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And again, maybe that's us as Leaf fans, and you know we're putting ourselves on a pedestal. And no, we it's we're not the greatest Bruno. organization in the history of sports. Bruno, it's not, and I'll tell you why. Remember when Joe Biden made fun of us in Parliament? Everyone, ha, 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 the Leafs. Yeah, well, he could have picked on anyone, and he picked on us. Why? Because it's attention. That's why. So anyone, go ahead. They're (laughs) they're the pinnacle. They're the pinnacle of the NHL, man. Like, they are the, they're the New York Yankees of the NHL. It's, It's as simple as that. And again, like, the Leafs haters can come at us, say whatever you want, but the facts are the facts. Yeah, talking about money here. Especially from a, from a financial perspective. Financial perspective, fan perspective, go down the list. So if you are not all in, that's tough, man. Like, and again, I Shanahan, like he can sympathize with that. Like Shanahan's been in the NHL his whole life. His family's dealt with the same thing. He said it in his press conference. Like those are the things that come along with the job. Like it's difficult on all our families. But then Shanahan also said it is a privilege to be able to work in the National Hockey League, whether you're a player, a coach, a scout, an executive. It is a privilege to work in this league. Think about Kyle Dubas, man. This guy was handed the keys to the castle in his early 30s, becoming GM of the Leafs. He joined the organization in his late 20s. He's only 37 years old. Like, this guy had it all. And it's it's Literally. just su- such a shame that it ended this way. Yeah. And again, like, I don't really blame Shanahan because as soon as that seed of doubt came into his head, he's thinking, wait a second. This guy... Not only did he tell me privately that he's having some questions about whether he wants to continue, then he told the public the exact same thing. And sure, it's like, okay, we do sympathize with you, Kyle Dubas. Like, even Lepore, us, right? Like, we're, we're we're a small podcast. I'm a content creator. I do my own content. Like, we get horrible messages all the time. Sure. Whether it's in the <laughs> comments section direct messages people are sending us like some wild shit like you yeah I, I i can't even tell you some of the stuff that i get on social media all right but it's like it's like you said lapore it's trolls on the internet it's Cares. people who who are who are full of hate who are miserable it's more a reflection of those people than it is the people who are receiving these messages that's the way i look at it at least 100%. right so it's like listen i get it like kyle dubas and his family they're probably dealing with this all the time dubas especially is probably getting messages all the time like horrible just vile things okay but come on man look at the situation you're in you're the gm of the leafs you have everything at your fingertips and then to come out publicly and say that you're not fully committed in brendan shanahan's point of view like i would feel the same way so first of all you're not fully committed you've now told shanahan privately you've told the media you've told the public this and then you're coming back to Shanahan after a deal was already in place, essentially, a framework, whether that's $4 million a year, $5 million a year. Then you're coming to Shanahan with more money. You're coming to him with, as Elliot Friedman reported, you wanted more autonomy and not necessarily, you know, he didn't want to kick Shanahan out of the decision-making process. He didn't want to remove him, but he wanted to streamline it. 
because clearly there's a lot of barriers you need to go through. And who knows, maybe that was to make like big trades. I don't know if he had to go through the same yeah. process to sign Michael Bunting and or Andre Kasha or name anyone from the past, right? But, you know, Elliot Friedman essentially said that it went from Dubas to Shanahan to the board and then would have to go back down. And I don't think there's other organizations that work in the same way. I mean, maybe there are, maybe the big one, the big organizations do the same thing, but that was a big sticking point in the negotiations as well. So he wanted more autonomy. He wanted more money. He wasn't sure that he wanted to be here. And it, from Shanahan's perspective, he's like, listen, even though I wanted this to happen, a deal was in place. How the fuck can I continue with this guy as GM if he's not committed to this job? So yeah. that's the way I look at it. I, I would have loved for him to stay, but I don't blame Shanahan making the decision that he did. Yeah. To, to the point you made about the ladder, the ladder of authority or the ladder of decision-making and how it trickled up and down. What I don't understand is again, just making the assumption that everything we're hearing is accurate. That's a major talking point. That's a huge talking point. If that never came up during the last year of negotiation, now two days before this, two days before you or two days after you get your first contract, you just throw that out. What? It's confusing, man. And to the point you made, about it being a privilege, I would say that about a lot of franchises. If it was any Canadian market, the Montreal Canadiens, the Detroit Red Wings, New York Rangers, Boston Bruins, it's a privilege. So now we're getting a little outside the box, but Brennan Shanahan went up there, okay? I always say the Toronto Maple Leafs are a corporation. They run very robotically. Everything, everything is calculated, okay? And what I'm getting at is, in my opinion, every single word that came out of uh, Brendan Shanahan's mouth had a purpose. There was a goal with it. And as soon as the Leafs lost, like, we're all emotional, this and that. But you had this situation where Matthews and Nylander, uh, there's questions up in the air regard with regards to their next contracts, we're a year away from that same issue with Marner and Tavares. I saw it as an opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity to look these guys in the face and say, look, do you want to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs? They'd all nod. And then I would say, that's great. Do you want to win with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Because it's a different question. Okay. Because, and I'm not saying, oh, you got to take this huge haircut to be here, but you have to be reasonable because you can say, I want 15 million, but then you can't in the same breath, tell me you want to win. So in what Shanahan did, I think that's trying to change the culture of the organization. That's because a fair point. If you, you, you could be the biggest leaf homer in the world at the end of the day, our culture, like, I'm not going to say it sucks, but if we had to point to a reason for the lack of playoff success, I'd point to culture. We're too soft. And by that, I mean, we don't go in the corners. I just mean, it's too much of a fantasy land. It's too easy. I mentioned a few, I think it was a few weeks ago. I said, it's become too cool to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The commercials, the social media, the, like all the endorsements, like, no, no. It's gotta be, there has to be that little bit of anxiousness. Yeah, you have to, to be, be uncomfortable a little bit to be able to grow, right? A little bit of anxiety is a good thing. Any 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 person who's high up in a corporation will tell you that. So I think he had that purpose while he was up there. He's like, I'm not only talking to in regards to Kyle, I'm talking at everybody involved here. That if you want to be a part of this, you want to be a part of this. But if you don't, you don't. And like you said, Bruni, use the right word privilege. It's a privilege to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we have to treat it that way. If you have any doubts or, or any questions or you don't want to be a part of the right culture, sorry, man. Like, sorry. Like, I'm to the point now where it, I think this happens in age, right? And people comment down below we think about this. As I, as I previously mentioned, there's that divide with Shanahan and Dubis. And I feel like in social media where, I mean, it's everything now, you're seeing side Dubis more. And what I attribute that to is age. It's age. It's, you know, I'll say call them kids in their 20-somethings who haven't really experienced much other than Dubis, really and truly. 
and they're attached to him. And that's okay. They like their players. I just said it's very cool to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They like the group. They like the gang. There's been a lot of positive momentum for this organization in their lifetime. But as you get older and you lose players, guys walk away. I mean, talk to the older Leafs fans. What happened with Sittler and Keon and Lanny McDonald? And then going forward, I mean, we lost the whole thing. That was absolutely terrible. But Sundin leaving, you get to a point where you lose attachment to players and you gain a better perspective on what's important. And that is the organization. The, the players come and go, coaches come and go, GMs come and go. So I think that's why the younger generation is taking that side from what I'm seeing anyway. And again, comment down below if you disagree with me. People might think I'm totally full of shit, but I think I'm at that point now in my life where I've been a Leafs fan for a long time. I've seen a lot, I've seen a revolving door of a lot of garbage. So I'm not going to have this attachment to a GM if I think he fucked up and I think he fucked up. And my question now is, so you mentioned the meeting, Bruno, the meeting on Wednesday. So Kyle Dubas thought he was going to be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't imagine you're conducting a meeting with the coaching staff and executives in the organization and thinking that you're not going to be back and you're no. not going to resign and and be there for the next whatever would have been five years. So what is Kyle Dubas really and truly feeling right now? Maybe it's the, the discussions come out, but I haven't really heard much about that. And I don't mean this in the literal sense, but is he sitting in a dark room crying because he made a big mistake? I think he's shocked, man. I think I, he I think, is too, man. I think, you know, he thinks about all of the money that MLSE, Rogers and Bell has, how they write blank checks. You know, they wanted Mike Babcock. They gave him $50 million. They they pay players to not play for them. They pay players to go to Roby Daw Island. You guys know how it is being Leaf fans. So I think Kyle Dubas thought, that he was going to get that same sort of treatment where it's like, all right, Shanahan wants me back. I've now made the decision that I'm comfortable with the whole family situation. I want to be back. You know what? I'm going to ask for a little bit more money here because this is the Toronto Maple Leafs and they're just going to give it to me. Just mm -hmm. like I gave a little extra money to Marner, a little extra money to Matthews potentially, you know, they're going to do the same for me. And that just simply wasn't the case. But again, I think the biggest issue was that seed of doubt. It wasn't even, and Shanahan even said, like, he was asked point blank by Chris Johnston, like, was did this come down to money? And Shanahan, maybe, you know, maybe he's not going to be 100% truthful, but he said, he's like, no, I would not characterize it like that at all. Like, yeah. it was that seed of doubt where <laughs> this guy is not only telling me privately, he's telling the public that he's not sure he's all in. Like, so as much as we all like Dubis, like, again, I like Dubis. Me I too. thought he was a great GM. He's been the me best too. GM this team has had. For the last 20 years, going back to Pat Quinn. And I, I wanted him to be back. I wish he was still the general manager, but I'm sorry, man. If you're not all in and you're showing cracks in the armor, it's tough to get behind that and still support him and and honestly feel sorry for him. Like, Lepore, I think he's devastated right now. And again, yeah, we still I need to so hear too. from him. Yeah, Like, at some point, I'm sure he's going to reach out to you know, one of the big name reporters in the industry, and he's going to tell his side of the story. But I would imagine that he's probably pretty devastated at this point. Yeah. I mean, we, we touched on the assets the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Caldubas is a smart guy. He knows about this. If he goes to another team, or he had to know the entire time he was in Toronto, other teams can't just take on salary. Other teams can't just bury contracts. Other teams, I mean, if you want to buy someone out, if it made sense, your, your organization would do it. A huge contract. He knows that. If he goes even to, I'll say, an average franchise based on popularity, no, they don't They do not do that. You made yeah, the problem. Not even you, close. Yeah, you fix it. And the, the awareness, and I'll say this too, right? So there is a gap in the NHL when it comes to franchises, whether we would like to admit it or not. And that's not to say that there's not a gap in the other, uh, the other major leagues, but like, I'll use the NFL as an example. If you play for a bottom 10 brand NFL franchise, okay. The way you're treated compared to the upper echelon franchises, I bet is not that different because 
they're all worth billions of dollars and they all like just shit money and they have their TV contracts. So in that point, I don't think it really matters, but in hockey, there's differences. There's a lot of differences. It came out a couple years ago that the Buffalo Sabres did not have a single scout in Finland. It's come out. Uh, one thing I've heard about the Leafs compared to other organizations is the tra- the uh, the travel of the staff. Certain organizations say it's like the goalie coach or the power play coach. They don't come on the road. They stay at home. Because well, listen the to like Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari when they join the team or any new player who joins the Leafs, they all rave about how well the organization treats them. Like that's yeah. all that all the new players rave about is like, oh my God, I can't believe how well I'm treated here. Like compared to other places that I've been. Well, there's always been that rumor that the Leafs have a daycare for the, for the players' kids. And it's believable. Like with all the other shit we pull, it's totally believable. So uh, he knows about all this, all of it. So here he was in his thirties, in his heat of the castle. It's the joke. The joke I've always made about Kyle Dubas is, man, this guy makes me feel bad about myself because here I am at my age and I ain't the general manager of the Toronto Fusion Maple Leafs, right? So he had awareness of that, that he's a smart guy and I don't, and if I had to bet, I hate getting inside people's heads. I hate getting inside people's emotions or making assumptions, but I think he's pretty disappointed right now. I think he's pretty disappointed. Yeah, I, I think he's devastated. And the reason this whole situation sucks is because it's such an important time for the franchise. Mm. Matthews obviously needs an extension. He's eligible to sign on July 1st and another bombshell that dropped on Hockey Night in Canada. And this has not been getting nearly enough coverage, in my opinion. Elliot Friedman, again, he talked yesterday with Ron McLean in the intermission of Panthers and Hurricanes. And he talked about how Dubas held that meeting on Wednesday with the team and then how he wanted more autonomy and wanted to streamline the decision-making process and how that was a part of his new contract. But he also mentioned that it's now unlikely that Austin Matthews signs on July 1st. And again, maybe that's a situation where he wants to wait it out and get a feel for the new general manager. And at this point, it seems like Sheldon Keefe is going to get fired. Yeah. I mean, I would be shocked at this point if the new GM comes in and doesn't fire Sheldon Keith because you see it in all sports. It's not just hockey. When a new guy comes in, especially when it's a general manager, they always want to hire their coach. Mm-hmm. Like it's just as simple as that. So it's just such a it's a difficult time right now to make this decision. And listen, Shanahan's a smart guy. Like you think he's not aware of like all of 100%. the major decisions that need to be made. 100%. So there must have been like a big seed of doubt in his head. And he must've felt so uncomfortable to the point that like, even though all of these decisions need to be made on the roster, on the coaching staff, even the draft for that matter, free agency with all of that hanging in the balance, he still said, you know what, this guy based on our conversations and who knows, maybe it it even dated back earlier in the season to last year, like there's been rumors that Shanahan and Dubis have kind of had a little bit of a rocky relationship. Shanahan must've felt, and listen, I trust him. Like he's a smart guy. He must've felt, you know what? This is not going to work. This is not the right guy for the job. Again, maybe this is going to blow up in the Leafs faces. Maybe they're going to hire some, you know, like recycled GM who's terrible at their jobs and is going (laughs) to sewer the organization. And I, I hope that doesn't happen, but I think, Right now, I'm I'm gonna give Shanahan honestly the benefit of the doubt based on how this all all went down, and I I would love to hear from Kyle Dubis, but the big thing now is like getting Matthews on board because if Matthews is not on board with the future of this organization, then Laporte, you basically have to blow up the team. Like I'm sorry if you're trading Matthews, at that point, like anything's on the table, and you're not gonna be nearly as good as you were the last whatever, call it four, five, six, seven seasons. And you're going to have to blow up the franchise. Honestly, if Matthews does it, if Matthews comes to the organization and says, I am not signing an extension, I'm playing out the final year of my contract. He needs to be traded. It's a hundred percent, hundred percent. And to, to the point about trusting Shanahan and the Matthews situation with this, I don't think much of it in the way of influence to as to whether or not he resigns with the team. Because 
if I who's who's going to be talking to him? Let's say a GM's not hired in time or this process plays out. Shanahan's talking to him. Okay. So Matt Austin, do you want to play for us? Yeah, but I'm not sure about the next GM. So I'm going to wait it out. Well, Austin, the res- it is my responsibility to pick the GM. So you have to have the trust in me. Do you have the trust in me to guide the ship properly? If he hesitates, well, then you're getting traded, Austin. That's it. So like, that's why I don't think it really affects anything because if Austin Matthews was like, so tied, so tied to Kyle Dubas that it, it it was like the main factor in him re-signing in Toronto. I don't want him. Yeah. That would be ridiculous. That'd be ridiculous. Reason he wants to be here because of of his relationship with Kyle Dubas. Like Like, that can't be the reason you want to be here. He should, he should talk to some of the vets who've played for other organizations, you know, gone back and forth with uh, good organizations, bad organizations, you go through coaches, you go through GMs. It's part of it. You have to think about yourself and what's best for you and the organization you want to play for. If you have this big thing of, Oh, I'm not quite sure who the general manager is going to be. Well, at the same time, the pre if the president was also let go, then I might be like, yeah, I don't, I don't blame the kid, but Shanahan's there. Yeah. And if you, if you don't trust the president, well, then you have to be traded. As for whether or not you blow up the team, if Matthews uh, is traded or doesn't want to resign, I mean, blow up. I mean, we can debate. Blow up is a little aggressive, but there's got to be like a pretty significant retooling at that point. Yeah. Well, right off the bat, Bruno, we have 11.65 million of cap space, right? So just on that, it's like, well, if we can get an $8 million forward and a $4 million defenseman, are we worse? Are we better? Debate that all day long. But it'll be a shakeup, that's for sure. I mean, I I just think it more in the way of, I mean, any team. If, if a team lost a $5.5 million player and a $6 million player in the same summer, that's a different team now. That's a shakeup. So no one would deny that. But it would be interesting to see how everything would fall after that. Really and truly. Well, because, just to I mean, be clear, Lepore, like, I, I hope Austin Matthews is back. Oh, like, me too. This team needs its number one center, 60-goal scorer, Hart Trophy winner. Like, it would be a disaster if he didn't resign, just to make it 100% clear with everybody. You know what, though, man? And again, back to my lack of closeness to players and coaches and GMs at this point in my life. Disaster? I don't know if it's a disaster. I, I really don't. Like, I, I made the I've made the point for years that it's a cap league, okay? Having... We no longer, we should no longer rank players based on ability. We should rank players based on value. Okay. And I'll go this route. Seattle had a great season in their second year. Okay. Very close to a conference finals berth. Vegas. They've been around six years. They've been to four, four conference finals. And last year was one of the ones they missed out on. And they were devastated by injuries. Okay. And people look at it and they're like, how do they do it? How do these teams do it? By that, I mean the expansion draft. How do they build this kind of team? Because it's not, you look at who you can protect. You protect the forwards, the defensemen, but you still have a lot of players left. Okay. Well, if you really think about it, if you're allowed to pick off 31 excellent value players, you very well might have a good team because it's about total value. And what I'm getting with this is the debate of having two $4 million forwards and a $4 million defenseman. Does that make you better than Austin Matthews? So yeah, like, do you go with the stars and scrubs approach like the Leafs do? And even like Colorado's moved into that now, even Tampa, honestly, kind of has a similar structure. Or do you go with more of a value mindset across the board where everyone makes five, six million. There's a couple guys who are making nine million. Yeah. And does that put you in a better position to win than going with the stars and scrubs approach? Yeah. I, I think you do need the combination because it's it's the best players, in my opinion, that are that are going to win at the end of the day. But what I was going to say was again, like so we have Nylander and Matthews uh said to be free agents a year from now. Right off the let's just if you ask the Leaf fan, oh, let's say they both walked. They both just got up and walked. Are we fucked? They'd say, oh my God, we're totally fucked. Losing two guys like that, 
we're gonna take a huge step back. And that might be the case. But there's the other side of, well, now we have $20 million of cap space. $20 million is a lot, is a lot. So I'm not going to say that that Matthews and Nylander are bad value. I just think sometimes we overvalue the player themselves now rather than his actual percentage of the cap and what he brings. And we just kind of set aside the idea that we now live in a league where there's different ways to do it because you could you can do it anyway. Like, like let's say you can do it with the stars at the top, you can do it with a balanced lineup, but it's about the total value. So people can say, Oh, if we lose Austin Matthews, we're screwed. Well, if he wants to sign for 14 million, are we getting the value? Even if he scores 60 goals? It's that that that's the discussion to me. So as for my fears in whatever happens, I'm kind of completely removed from that with whatever we lose because the trust would have to go to uh, Shanahan and the new GM to fill it properly. And that's what it comes down to. I'll make the assessment when the cap space is filled with what we, I see what we get in return and how the cap space is filled. I'll put it that way. And speaking of value and how this team is structured, how do you feel about Kyle Dubas's tenure? Because let's go through a couple of the, you know, the major things, both positive and negative that were attributed to him. And I have a list here. So Laporte, when I think of, let's start with the best moves that he made as GM. Okay. When I think of the best moves that Kyle Dubas has made, the first one that comes to mind, especially from a draft perspective, and we just found this out over the last two or three weeks, was drafting Matthew Nyes in the second round. Like that seems like an absolute slam dunk based on how that guy played in the playoffs. So that's number one. He acquired Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari at the deadline for three draft picks. That was also a big move. Probably his best trade deadline acquisition. I would even lump Luke Shen into that, even though Luke Shen was traded for a third-round pick. I, I thought he was phenomenal in the playoffs. Um, go down the list. He signed Ilya Samsonov to a one-year deal who had a great season, ended up being the Leafs' number one goalie one year, I believe $1.8 million. I'm going to even lump this in, and I know a lot of people would probably have pushback on this, but signing Jake Muzzin, or trading for Jake Muzzin, I actually thought was a win. And I know the Leafs lost Sean Dersey, yeah. who's a good player, and they gave up a first-round pick. I just really think the injuries derailed Muzzin, but I thought he was like the perfect defenseman that they needed at the time. Offense, grit, physicality. He brought it all when he was fully healthy, Okay. He signed Michael Bunting. He signed TJ Brody. Like he did really good work in terms of fixing the decor and making mm -hmm. this, you know, the Leafs for, for the longest time, a decade plus were horrible defensively, but under Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe defensively, the Leafs were good. And this past season, they had arguably had their best defensive season of like the last 20 years, you know, based on the stats. Uh, go down the list. He brought in Ilya Mikheyev from the KHL, who was a nice player. Signing Jason Spezza for 750 k Some other draft picks. Rasmus Sandin, Rodion Amarov, and Nick Robertson. So those are kind of the good things that I look at when I think of Dubis. And again, people will look at, oh, he inherited Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. But Laporte, we've talked about this on previous shows. Teams go years searching for players like that. Dubas did not have to search for any of those guys. He obviously brought in Tavares. And and again, I think that's, if you want to look back at his, at the worst moves that he that he's made, and I can mention those briefly here. Number one, protecting Justin Hall in the Seattle expansion draft and letting Jared McCann go to the Kraken and score 40 goals this past season. Uh, that was a mistake. He traded Nazem Kadri, to Colorado for Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot. There were some other draft picks and Callie Rosen was involved in that deal as well. We can call that a loss. He traded a first and a fourth round pick to Columbus for Nick Foligno. He signed Peter Morazic to a three-year $11.4 million contract. And then the big mistake you could say, and again, I don't even want to really characterize this as a mistake, was signing the Tavares contract. Because at the time worry. you're getting an elite 28-year-old center who wants to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, who was getting offers of like $13 million from the Sharks, and he figured, all right, the contract is obviously not going to age well, but in the first three to four years, I'm hoping we can make a run to the Cup. 
And that obviously never happened. And now that's the huge anchor. When you look at the cap sheet of the Leafs, that Tavares contract sucks. And it's unfortunate it happened that way. But I think looking at, at all the decisions he made throughout his tenure, I don't want to say he was a phenomenal GM by any means. Like he wasn't this wizard who did things that no one else in hockey could have done. But I think for the most part, honestly, he was, I think he did a really good job. Another thing I'll mention, Lapore. Since he became GM, the Leafs had the fifth best record in the NHL under his tenure over the last five years. Only the Lightning, Bruins, Avalanche, and Hurricanes had a better regular season record. I'll I'll, I'll specify, better regular be season record than the Leafs during his time as GM. Yeah, one thing Dubas, if I was talking about value, one thing Dubas was excellent at was finding value at the bottom of the lineup. And he made... Toronto, a desirable location, like the Spezzas, the Giordanos, Brody's, the older guys wanting to come. But if we're going to judge it, I said before, this is a competitive environment, okay? And I'm not going to be the guy who says, oh, he inherited like this unbelievable team. But what he did have was one of the greatest goal scorers this league's ever seen. And people are rolling their eyes, but that's the truth. If you look at the pace, a winger who's nominated for the Selkie in Mitch Marner, an amazing forward in William Nylander, a second-team All-Star in Morgan Riley, and yeah, he brought in Tavares. So he had that. He did have that. And again, I'm not saying he inherited all of it and it was easy, but he had that. If we were sitting outside the box, and even you remove names, but you just list those uh, descriptions I just put out, and someone said to you, in six playoff attempts, the best they ever did was win five games. That's it. I mean, you, the results that, are the results it. at that point. Exactly. It's not good. Like I said, it's a competitive environment. You have to judge someone based on results, and the results weren't there, right? And that's, I, I, I always would have said I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in these discussion, these discussions for Dubas, because you're picturing him pleading his case to Shanahan or the board, but when. Shanahan or the board says, yeah, but you keep losing in the playoffs and putting up duds. What was Kyle saying? And you may be saying, oh, it was bad luck or this happened, injuries, who knows? I mean, multiple things can be true. You can fuck up or you can do a good job and lose. People have heard me say that a million times. But if someone said to me at the start of the Kyle Dubas tenure that this team, their best playoff run would be five wins, I'd be like, he's no longer GM. I would make the assumption that, that he was let go. Yeah, it, it's tough. Honestly, it's tough to look at the results and say that he did a phenomenal job. Listen, again, I think he's been the best GM this team has had in 20 years. And even going back to the contracts, okay? Again, like I don't want to characterize the Tavares signing as this massive mistake. I felt like the players let Dubas down more than Dubas let the organization down. Like that's where I stand. Me too. Me too. And even like the contracts, like I don't think he overpaid Austin Matthews. I think the mistake, I guess, with Matthews is that he didn't lock him up for eight years. Yeah. That would have been ideal. The same thing with Marner and even Nylander for that matter. I think if you want to look at any of the big three, right, not including Tavares, the only guy he really overpaid was Marner. And what did he overpay him by? 1.75 million. Like, would you have liked him to get a contract like Nico Rantanen got, you know, nine and change? Like, that would have been ideal. Like, I think he overpaid Marner. That's that's the one guy I would say that he kind of screwed up. And it wasn't even that big of a screw up. Like, the guy's a two-time first-team All-Star, nominated yeah, for I the mean... Selkie. Like, Marner's a phenomenal player. And say what you want about what he's done in the playoffs. Like, it's not like he's egregiously overpaid by any means. But again, it wasn't an eight-year deal. Matthews wasn't an eight-year deal. I think that the players let him down more than he let the organization down. And I like what Dubas did around the periphery. I like how he rebuilt the defense core. I liked some of the draft picks that he made. A lot of the times, the Leafs didn't have high draft picks. So we can't even say like, oh, what was his hit rate in the draft? Because he was never drafting in the top 10 or the top 15. Right. 15. And when he did, and he picked Rodion Amarov, the guy is now dealing with brain cancer, which is yeah. completely tragic in itself. And we're obviously wishing the best for him and his future. So it's like, there, there was honestly a lot of bad luck in terms of having the core that the Leafs had and only winning one playoff series in the last seven years. 
So, I mean, for the most part, again, I'm going to say it like, I think Kyle Dubas did a good job and I think it was more of the players letting him down. Yeah. And I, I fully agree with that, but how I'll just sum it up is this way. No one can look me in the face and said he did an amazing job. Well, no, because <laughs> an amazing job would entail winning more than a single round. So I think it's wrong to say that he did a terrible job because of the lack of playoff success, but no one's going to say he did an amazing job. So usually when a GM doesn't continue with a team, it's pretty straightforward when it comes to how people describe the tenure. But in the case of Dubis, there is some discussion and some debate as to how good of a GM he was. And you made the list, man. A lot of good deals, a lot of bad ones. And you forgot about Matt Murray. Matt Murray, <laughs> that was bad. In your list of trades. So we're Leafs fans. So we'll be talking about it for the next 30, 40 years, like the Dubis tenure. And I'm sure books will be written, but they didn't win. He didn't win. So it's funny because how many times, and this is why this conversation is so fascinating because we both acknowledge on this show that we are disappointed in this. We we wanted Dubas to continue, but at the same time, we understand it. And I guess that's logic versus versus emotion. And that's part of being a fan, but I'll say it here. I am like, man, this sucks. I'm sad. But then I'm like, wait a second. We haven't won around in six years and he lost a bunch of contract negotiations and he made some bad trades. So I think to me, I feel good about it. I feel free about it simply because he wasn't 100% committed. The fact that it is a debate as to the type of job he did. And then he stood on a mic in front of the entire country and said that he may not take the job. Well, then I'm okay. I am more than okay with this. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is a disastrous situation by any means. Like, I think the new GM can come in. And as long as this new GM is smart i mean that's i mean i hope the new gm is smart and knows what the hell they're doing like i don't think it's a situation that cannot be fixed and and handled by someone who knows what they're doing so that leads us into our last conversation on this show mm. who the hell is going to be the next gm of the toronto maple leaves because the main name that we are hearing being floated around and you could even look at you know some of the sports books and there's already odds up on this. Eric Tulski, the yeah. current assistant general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, who are currently down 0-2 in the Eastern Conference Final to the Panthers, seems to be one of the favorites. You know, this guy went to Harvard. He's a genius. He helped develop their analytics and scouting department, and he's done a lot of great work since he joined the Hurricanes eight years ago, and now he's in his second year as assistant GM. But the big thing that Shanahan mentioned in his press conference is that experience will be a very attractive quality. So it seems like yeah. Brendan Shanahan wants to hire a general manager who we all know, who's worked in the NHL for a number of years. And that has a lot of people scared because you think <laughs> of names like Jim Benning and Peter Shirelli and Brad Treliving, who's Scary. clearly looking for a new job after he parted ways with the Flames. And people are a little bit uneasy about this because you could go the route of bringing in the next Dubis, Eric Tulski. It's like a souped-up version, if you want to call it, of Kyle Dubis. I guess he's got maybe a little more experience than Dubis. I mean, not really. It's kind of like hiring the same guy. That's why I don't feel like a guy like that's going to come in, even though Shanahan said, I'm going to keep an open mind. I want to you know, go through the process thoroughly and make the best decision here. But it does seem like he's going to hire a name that we all know. And who do you think that's going to be, Lepore? Because at this point, it seems like, to me, Brad Treliving is the front runner. And I don't hate Brad Treliving. Like, I honestly thought he did a pretty solid job with the Calgary Flames. And Lepore is about to snap at me for saying that. It seems like he's the front runner. I'm not sure, though. I don't know what their process is to hire this new guy. But... It looks like it's going to be someone with experience. I think I'm going to try to say this without sounding egotistical as a Leaf fan. I think that's too easy. I think that list of names you brought forward and like these are the betting favorites because the NHL is just a merry-go-round of guys doing different jobs. I think that's too easy for Shanahan and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it will be something a little more calculated and smart. What I will say is this. I've said it for about a year that I thought the next general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, whether it was 
Kyle Dubas leaving this summer or in three years or in five years, unless they were offered another job, was going to be Haley Wickenheiser. Wow, I thought the yeah. Leafs. I thought the Leafs were going to be the first NHL team to have a female as general manager. And I think Wickenheiser, she's she's got the right temperament. She has experience. She's an academic. She's a doctor for crying out loud. She's seen it all. I think she's the type of person that can look someone in the eyes and talk straightforward to them. So that was always my assumption that Wickenheiser would be the next GM. But I honestly think it's going to be, it's one of those things where it's going to be somebody who no one's talking about, but then when it happens, it'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's not surprising. And I can't even think of a name right now of uh, people who would fall into that uh, category, but there's just something in me that thinks that it's not going to be something just straightforward and obvious like Shirelli, just because he was a GM. No, it's going to be something a little more creative. And that might be a good thing. That might be a bad thing. People can debate all this. And I made the point about egotistical. I'm trying to make the point that like, I almost think Shanahan's too smart for that. Like I'm giving him credit. As I said before, I give credit to smart people. So I don't have a guess at this point. I mean, maybe he just gets on the mic and says, Hey everyone, I decided I'm going to be GM. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah. Like when I look at Brad for living, it just seems too obvious. It just seems way too obvious. He just parted ways with the flames. You know, he made some big time moves to try to save that franchise when Gaudreau left in free agency, Kachuk wanted out. And I honestly, I, I like the the aggressive moves that Trill Living made. I think he built a nice team in Calgary. I think that team was kind of sewered in a way by Daryl Sutter and the way that they played. But it just seems a little too obvious. I agree. I think this is going to be maybe a little bit longer of a process than people think. Like, even though Shanahan said that, listen, I, I need a new GM ASAP. We got to make all these decisions. The draft is coming up. Free agency. Like, there, there, there has to be a GM in place sooner rather than later. Wickenheiser is very interesting, man. You said it, like, been around hockey forever. I mean, obviously, like, a, a Hall of Fame player, a doctor. Like, yeah. I mean, Haley Wickenheiser has everything you would want. In, Again, like, speaking speaking of people who make you feel bad about yourself. Right? For real, man. But, uh, no, I mean, Eric Tulski, as I mentioned, like, there's going to – names are floating, or even, like, Doug Armstrong, who's currently with the Blues, like, his name's been floated around that – he might potentially have an out in his contract. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've yeah. even heard a Scott Mellenby, who Ooh. I believe I want to say according to Darren Dreger, I think he was talking about this from TSN, and he was saying how like Scott Mellenby's been in like ten different interviews and has been like the runner-up like numerous times in multiple GM searches across the league, and he hmm. he apparently is like dying for an opportunity. That's another name that comes to mind, but who knows, man? Like it, it's so hard to say when it comes to this type of stuff, like it's like you said, like a guy could completely come out of the woodwork that we're not expecting, but before yeah, yeah. it's that time of the show. Hmm. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? I'll just finish with this. And this might be kind of boring on the topic of the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Shanahan was willing to extend Dubas. Okay. So with that, it's safe to say that he liked his style. He liked the type of GM he was. He liked how he he liked how he conducted business. So to that point, I've wondered if just promoting Brandon Brenham would be the way to go because you're getting Kyle Dubis light. He's the cap guy. He's the numbers guy. You're essentially going to run the ship the same way. And with the influence of himself and Haley Wickenheiser, might not be a bad thing. I mean, maybe Wickenheiser takes a bigger role on the mic and stuff like that. Then you bring in some other executive, but it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. It may feel for Leafs fans that the sky is falling, but we're Leafs fans. The sky's always falling. We're battle tested. We've, we've been through the gutter. It sucks being a Leafs fan. So bring it on. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting all around, whether it's drama, new players, us being happy with a certain GM or coach, disappointed. There's going to be a lot to talk about. And as fans, I mean, you're relevant. We're relevant. So don't be afraid when everyone's talking bad about you. Be afraid when no one's saying anything about you. And the Leafs are going to be very relevant this summer. So there's going to be a lot of content and uh, it's going to be a blast, Bruno. And people could say I'm, you know, kind of hiding behind something right now but i really and truly feel that way 
just please hire a general manager that we can all get excited about. Oh fuck. I'm, please yeah. don't hire a GM, like a recycled GM who has scarred Canadian hockey fans in the past, not even Canadian hockey fans, all hockey fans for that matter. Like, please don't go and hire like Peter Shirelli. Like I, I know Peter Shirelli's smart and I mean, I believe he was a lawyer and like, I mean, I know he's worked in the league for a long time, but it's like, please don't go out and make a decision like that. Hire someone fresh, clever, who does have experience, but someone that we could all get excited about and get behind and someone who knows what the hell they're doing. I think and Anthony that's all Bruno, we're asking maybe? for at this point. Anthony Bruno, maybe bring your name in the hat. I'm putting my name in the hat, yeah. Brendan. Package me- deal though, right? The, the two GFP guys running the team. Send us an email. Uh, you can find it on our YouTube page, Mr. Shanahan. Anthony <laughs> yeah. Bruno, Michael Lapore, throwing our hat in the ring to be G- co-GMs of the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I'm sure all the players would love it after all the shit we threw out <laughs> after the playoff loss. <laughs> oh, man. Leafs Nation would burn down if two oh, guys fuck. with a podcast became two guys from a podcast. It's a movie. It's a movie. Oh, my goodness. All right. That is going to do it for episode 105 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we would really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this show, give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you enjoyed the content, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're not yet subscribed, ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. And please leave a comment down below and give us your thoughts on how you think the Dubis versus versus Shanahan situation played out, who you want to see as the next GM. We would love to hear from you. But that is going to do it, everybody. For Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno. There's going to be a lot of news that comes huh. down the pipeline in Leafs Nation, and we will be here ready to discuss it. But until then, enjoy your long weekend. Yes. Have a good one, and we will talk soon. Go Leafs, go. Thanks, everyone.